You're listening to the She Runs the Show podcast with Cassandra Vaughn, episode 179, the solo series. Hello, hello, everybody. Welcome to a brand new episode of She Runs the Show. Cassandra Von Worsley with you here. It is early in the morning. Today is move out and move in day. Actually, the whole weekend is move out, move in day. And I am certainly not looking forward to uh, packing a U-Haul and moving boxes. I'm so grateful that this is not an out-of-state move. Like when we went from Utah to Wyoming, this is a one town to the next move. So that makes it a little bit better, but I, I've never been a fan of moving. I just, let me put it this way. The next time we move, movers will be hired. <laughs> That's all I'm going to say about that. I am not one for moving. I, it puts me in a bad mood. Actually, I choose to be in a bad mood when I move. So not thrilled about starting this process, but I certainly am thrilled about the home that we're moving into and deer in the backyard and you know, BLM land right behind it and just the quiet and the peace of it. So very grateful to be gaining privacy and gaining space and nature and clarity and just grateful that I can be here with you and and speak to you on She Runs the Show. For those of you who are listening, maybe the first time or one of the first times, She Runs the Show has been a podcast on a mission and continues to be. And the mission is, I want women entrepreneurs everywhere to have both relationships that rock and businesses that thrive. And when I say that, we as women entrepreneurs oftentimes find ourselves in places where we feel like we have to choose, right? We have to rob Peter to pay Paul. If we have a great family life, then we're not following our calling in business. If we have a great business, we are sacrificing our family life. And while, I mean, I don't believe in balance, so I I won't even use that term to describe it. While there is a sort of trapeze act to this work-life harmony thing, it's very possible because we do run the show. You know, it's funny. I once um, interviewed a guest for the She Runs the Show podcast. The, The episode never aired. You know, the universe works in mysterious but very intentional ways. And I once had an episode, uh, a podcast interview guest that I interviewed. And one of the first things she said on the interview was, well, actually, we don't run the show, right? Like, we, we don't run the show. <laughs> and I should have known then that that was not the right person to have on She Runs the Show. But here's the deal. The, there's, there's a lot in life that we cannot control. And there will be circumstances and situations absolutely beyond your control. But to live a life where you think you're at the mercy of the universe and everything just sort of, uh, you don't control anything is a pretty powerless position to be in. It's not one that I agree with. In my take, the universe is for you. In my viewpoint, um, you were born at a specific time on a specific day everything, nothing is by accident. And so everything has happened or is happening uh, for you, not to you, but so you could be the deciding factor of your life. So you realize and wake up one day and say, I am the decisive element. Whatever is going on in my life that I don't like, whatever I'm going through, whether it is a relationship or how my business is going or working for somebody else or the friendships that I have with people who are using me, whatever thing 
is going on in your life that you absolutely do not love and as Marie Kondo says, does not spark joy. Guess who has the full power and capability to shift that? Maybe not in this moment, maybe not this week, maybe not even this year, but guess who has complete power to turn your life around? You. And that is a gift a blessing, a privilege, and also a responsibility that goes without saying. And so many of us are living at the effect of external circumstances and at the effect of other people. And we think that we don't control or run the show. Yes, we do. Yes, we do. So if ever you have a moment where you feel like life is happening to you and not for you, if ever you have a moment where you're like, I am around people that are sucking my energy dry. Whenever you have a moment where you're like, how did I wind up here? <laughs> Do the uncomfortable thing of reminding yourself, I got me here, which means here's the best part. I can get me anywhere else I want to be if I don't want to be here. I got me here so I can get me over there. That's power. So that was just a message for somebody I know who needs to hear that, but just reminding you how powerful you are. Now, episode 179. <sighs> Can we just talk about it for a second? <laughs> I Okay, so episode 179 is called Thank Every Person Who Doesn't See Your Value. It is so... <sighs> I can't even put into words appropriately. It is so essential that you develop the level of courage and self-trust and self-worth that does not require anybody else's permission for you to shine. You know, Mark Twain put it like this. I love this Mark Twain quote, and I'm sure you've heard it. Mark Twain said, Keep away from people who try to belittle your ambitions. Small people always do that, but the really great make you feel that you too can become great. Let me say the quote again from Mark Twain, because I want you to hear certain pieces of this. Keep away from people who try to belittle your ambitions. Small people always do that, but the really great make you feel that you too can become great. You know, I don't know what it is, but... And, and I know I'm not the only person who's been in this circumstance, but so often when we are um, women of vision, entrepreneurs of vision, we have these really big goals. We're overachievers. We, um, we want more than the average, you know, person for whatever reason. And I can't explain why, or else I'd write a book about it. <laughs> for whatever reason, we surround ourselves with people who think really small who see life really small. And every time we start to go really big, they do their best to kind of clamp down on us and try to convince us that we can't go where we want to go and be who we want to be because they're looking at us through their small lens. And so they don't want us to be big because then we destroy their worldview. They don't want us to uh, live into our potential because then they'll have to look in the mirror and ask themselves, why am I still playing small in my own life? Look at what she did. Why am I still here? Like I've no, you, you can't make it when you are surrounded by individuals 
who outwork you. And I love to be surrounded by people who outwork me. Let me just tell you, like when I get ready to, to wake up in the morning and, and do a three hour workout and wrap the three hour workout with the, the Peloton 45 minute spin class and my butt is tired. I like to remind myself of the rock, Michael Strahan, Gina Carano. I just remind myself of the people who have been doing this kind of heavy lifting, serious working out for decades and who do it on much less sleep than I do it and who do it even earlier than my four o'clock wake up time, 4 a.m. wake up time. And it just gets my mind right when I mentally surround myself with people who outwork me. You know, I came across somebody yesterday who, you know, he, he had worked a full work day and then was working for another four or five hours. And I said, man, you, you've been working all day long. And he said to me, oh, that's nothing. I used to work like 18 to 20 hour days. <laughs> I thought to myself, I feel lazy. Like I, I can't even tell you. I don't even know if I've ever within one 24 hour period, other than being in college and studying for finals, I can't even tell you if I've ever worked an 18 to 20 hour day within a 24 hour period. I can't tell you that I've done that. And I get energy from being around people who outwork me because they remind me that it is possible and that it can be done. But in today's episode, I'm not talking about the people who inspire you to greatness. I want to use this episode to talk about the people who try to keep you from greatness. Who And, and, and this is the thing. I want you to get into a place where you can thank every person who doesn't see your value. In other words, I want you to get to a place where you can express true gratitude, true gratitude for every person who told you at one point or another that you weren't enough, you'll never be enough, you can't do that, you can't become that, look at what you're doing, you're screwing up your life, you're never going to make it. You should just stay in this box or cage that I have for you. You're only good for this and you're not good for anything else. Whoever has been in your life and has had the audacity to say to you, you're just not worthy of what you say you want. You, you just, you just don't have it in you. You're just not good enough. You're, you're just a, you're a peon. You're, you just need to stay in that corner that I put you in. Instead of being absolutely angry and frustrated and hurt by those people, I want you to flip that emotional script and I want you to develop within yourself this intense gratitude. A, for what they showed you, because you know what my Angelo used to say. When somebody shows you who they are, believe them the first time they show you. Like, I, I, this has been a recurring lifelong theme in my life. I usually take about 50 times and then I believe them. As I get older, I'm like, listen, Cassandra, you've, you've only got so many years left on the planet. Why don't you just believe them the first time and like be done with that? So, um, but we, we, we allow people into our lives. And Don Miguel Ruiz in the four agreements, he talks about this. We allow them to speak back when he calls it in the four agreements, black magic over us. And then those beliefs become our beliefs. And then we wonder why we're playing small in the world and in our businesses, because we are allowing what those people believe about us to become what we believe about ourselves. And here's where the cultivating gratitude piece comes in. I have had 
numerous people in my life. Numerous. I, I can't even tell you the number. I've had numerous people in my life who have, um, as Don Miguel Ruiz calls it in the four agreement, have spoken black magic over me. Uh, I remember there was a time when I was, so for those of you who are new to the podcast, I'll give you a little bit of background for, for my listeners who listen to every episode. This is going to be repeat. So bear with me. So I, I graduated from high school at 16. I went to Vassar College at 16. So I was a 16-year-old living in the dorms at a very upscale liberal arts college. And my whole family was thrilled. They, My mother wanted a doctor. I was pre-med in freshman year. They, they were thrilled that Cassandra was finally going to follow the path that they had basically been planning for her since birth. And so if you know anything about a plan, God laughs when you plan. So through my own decision-making, or lack thereof, I was pregnant by 18, married by 18, uh, had my first son at 19. He's now 21, almost 22. And, uh, and still graduated college and still graduated from Vassar College at 20. So still didn't drop out of school, worked a full-time data entry job at night. Uh, I don't remember how many dollars an hour I was making, but typing furiously, got carpal tunnel for a period of time, um, going to school full-time in the day, totally pregnant on a campus. The, very few <clears throat> at that time were pregnant on the same campus with me. Total pariah. Everybody looked at that big stomach, even though I was, you know, then married at the time, but I was a baby having a baby. And so there was a ton of stigma and I still maintained a 4.0 average. I still worked data entry full time at night. I did what I had to do to provide for the child that I chose to bring here, even though I wasn't ready. But I knew because I chose to bring that child here that I needed to handle my business because that child deserved to have a life where they didn't have a parent who wasn't even equipped to give them what they need. So 16 in college, 20 graduated from college. I graduated with a sociology degree. I didn't know what the hell I was going to do with that thing. Um, went to Auburn to get my MBA. And at 22, I was a professor, one of the youngest professors on Tuskegee University's campus at that time. And I was 22 teaching 25 year olds, literally. Like I walked into the classroom the first day at Tuskegee University and one of the, the guys came up to me and he goes, he goes, do you know who's teaching this class? Do you know where the teacher is? And I looked at him and I said, right here, right here. Like, let's not even play. I'm the teacher. I'm the professor. So let's go. So um, I say all of that to say, because my parents had this plan for me and they wanted me to be a doctor and I wanted to please them. But I knew by the time I, you know, did biology and embryology and got to orgo organic chemistry. I was like, I hate blood. I hate hospitals. Um, I don't really like science. Although if I study super hard and burn myself out, I'm good at science. I hate math. So calculus was going to be a whole other thing before I even got to studying for the MCATs. It just wasn't for me. And so I remember when I found out I was pregnant, I don't think I told my mother for I don't think I told my mother for like two months. Well, here's the thing. I didn't find out I was pre like, I had a period. So I didn't even know I was pregnant until I was two months pregnant. And then I don't think I told my mother until I was three months pregnant. But I remember so clearly, even though this is like 21, 22 years ago, I remember so clearly when I, I got on the phone to tell my dad. And now I was raised by my mother. Like my dad 
my parents divorced when I was three and my dad was a visit you for an hour or two on a Sunday and like you spend the night five times a year maybe. My dad wasn't super present. So I remember that when I told when I got on the phone, because I was in Alabama, my, my family was from Connecticut. When I got on the phone to tell my dad at 18 years old that I was pregnant, I remember so clearly that he spent a solid 20 minutes lambasting me on how I'd ruined my life. Lambasting me. When I tell you, like, he told me, you made such a big mistake. You're never going to recover from this. You're never going to finish college. You're never going to become anything. The amount of never, you're never going to's that happened in that conversation, they were brutal. There's, there's no nice way to say it. They were brutal. And I remember getting off that call and I remember being crystal clear on a couple things. I was crystal clear that nobody was ever going to provide for my child, ever. That I was going to do whatever I had to do to make sure that that child that I chose to bring into this world, I took care of. So I immediately got a full-time data entry job at night. It didn't matter that I didn't sleep. It didn't matter that I had school during the day. It, it just didn't matter to me because nobody was ever going to be put in a position to say that they had to provide for the child I chose to bring into this world. So that was the first thing I was super clear on when I got off the phone with my dad. And the second thing I was super clear on was that um, I was going to graduate and I was going to graduate on time and I was going to make something of myself and I was going to prove him wrong. I was so super clear after that phone call that I was going to prove him wrong. And the third thing I, I was really very clear on after I got off that phone call with my dad is that I, I wanted to make sure that there would never be a time that my oldest would remember that my then husband at the time that we were in school because we were both college students. We were both in school. I wanted there to never be a time where my oldest would remember that mom was in school. And I always used to tell him when he was little that he was in college before he was born, right? Like, so I was pregnant in philosophy and social work classes and all. He was in college before he was even born. And so I made a commitment to myself and a number of commitments after that phone call, after being so belittled and told that I would never amount to anything and told that um, I'd ruined my life already. I was super committed to proving my dad wrong. And I did. And I did. I graduated at 20. I had my MBA at 22. I was a professor at 22, the youngest on campus. I did all of that. And I say all of this to say that so often when people, especially people really close to us and people that we respect or people whose approval on a deep level we feel like we need, even though we don't want to need it, like our parents. Parents are tough. When your parents emotionally gut punch you, I don't know any way to not take that hard. I don't. I mean, I don't know any way you, you don't take that hard. Um, but when people do that in the moment, you're reeling from the, the emotional gut punch and you're reeling from the fact that the people you assumed would have your back and the people you thought knew who you really are and know what you're capable of, you reel from the fact that they are showing to you in this moment that they actually don't think highly of you and they actually don't believe that you're worthy and they do not see your value. And as hard as it is in that moment when you have somebody, especially in your family or close to you, sort of 
uh, tell you all the things you're never going to be and what you're, you're not capable of and who do you think you are to want this, this and that. Yes, it's emotionally tough, but in that moment, I want you to really fight your way to gratitude for the opportunity that they're giving you. I don't know that I would have been as ambitious, as driven, as focused, as stubborn and unrelenting in my, um, desire to finish college on time in my desire to make something of myself had my dad not had that conversation with me i can't tell you what would have happened i'm a very ambitious person i'm sure i would have not dropped out of college but i can't guarantee you that that conversation wasn't a pivotal moment that pushed me to prove him wrong and so there is a gift when people belittle your ambitions there is a gift when people um, try to tell you that you, you can't, you won't, um, you're not good enough. Who are you? There's a gift in that. And rather than turning a situation like that into anger and resentment and bitterness, like you'll be there for a minute when you're reeling from an emotional gut punch, but living there is a whole other thing. Rather than living in those negative emotions, there's a part of you that's got to rise up. And I like to call this your higher self. And there's a part of you that's now got to say, I'm going to prove them wrong. I'm going to prove them wrong. And I'm going to do exactly whatever the hell I want to do. And I, I got to find this Robert Downey quote. See, I should have been ready with this Robert Downey quote, but give me a moment because I, I have to give it to you because it's so perfect that it, 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 I have to give it to you because it's just so perfect. Um, I hope I can find it because I've talked about, I've talked about this Robert Downey quote in a number of my books. And if you don't know about my books, you can go to overcomingfearbooks.com. I write a lot of books about overcoming fear. How do you focus? Believing in yourself. Um, there we go. So here's the Robert Downey quote. I love this one so much. I really just need to memorize it. So Robert Downey Jr. actor, um, he said, listen, smile, agree, and then do whatever the fuck you were going to do anyway. This is kind of my life mantra. Listen, smile, agree, and then do whatever the fuck you were going to do anyway. And I say all of that because there comes a moment that when people are trying to belittle you, when they are trying to, quote unquote, put you in your place, when they are telling you what you can or can't do or who you're going to be or who you've been, it is a total waste of energy, space, and time for you to try to debate your worthiness with them. The second you're debating your worthiness with anybody other than you, you're actually giving them the power to dictate your worthiness because you're even debating it with somebody who doesn't get a vote. See the problem with that? Like, so I no longer have conversations with folks, even with people who are very close to me, who want to tell me, um, I'm not good at this. I'm not good at that. I don't even debate that anymore because the moment I engage in a debate with you about me is the moment I turn over my power to decide my own worth to you. And I'm unwilling to do that any longer. So when Robert Downey Jr. says, listen, smile, agree, and then do whatever the fuck you were going to do anyway, this is a truth. This is how you turn the resentment, the anger, the frustration, the pain of those emotional gut punches that come when you least expect them from people you didn't expect to get them from. And you say, okay, I'm pissed that they don't see my value and I'm pissed that they don't, that they're not honoring my hustle and honoring what I know I'm worthy of, but I'm just going to smile 
and I'm going to leave their presence and I'm going to do whatever the fuck I want to do anyway. And I'm going to make it whether they like it or not. And I'm going to do it publicly and privately. So the thing about, and, and here's the thing, these kinds of experiences where you have to learn how to cultivate gratitude for the people who don't see your value, it's not just going to happen one time. Like that conversation with my dad wasn't the only conversation. I've had conversations with my mom, you know, and, and my mom's has always been one of my biggest cheerleaders, but I've had moments with her where she said stuff that emotionally undercut me. And I've had to say, you know, listen, I've had to say, I know who I am. You don't have to approve of that, but I'm going to do me and you're going to do you. And this is how it's going to go. Um, and I remember another time where in a work situation, um, I had, I had a manager say to me, and this is a pivotal moment. Again, I put it in one of my books at overcomingfearbooks.com. I had a manager say to me in a meeting, and I can't give you the exact words, but I'll give you the gist. Basically, I had a manager say to me who had been, uh, who had not always been my manager, had actually been my equal before becoming my manager. But I had a, a manager say to me, I feel like you're a fallen Tiger Woods. This was after the whole Tiger Woods cheating, sleeping with like whoever and the wife and the car. That was that whole Tiger Woods debacle. So it was shortly after that. But I had a manager say to me, I feel like you're a fallen Tiger Woods. And can I just tell you, on the real, those words lived in my soul for about two years. Let me just give it to you real. I have a high level of self-worth. I have a high level of self-belief. I also have a high level of self-confidence. But sometimes people say things to you. And like Don Miguel Ruiz in The Four Agreements, it plants black magic in your soul. And you create an agreement around that, whether you know that consciously or not. And that statement, I feel like you're a fallen Tiger Woods, lived with me for two years. It took two years for me to undo the damage of that black magic. And I can't tell you that I wasn't angry for those two years. I certainly was. I was angry for those two years. And I had to get to it. And as a result of accepting the black magic that was fed to me, because you got to accept it, whether you do it subconsciously, unconsciously, or otherwise, I played really small for a couple of years. I played super small and I put in a, and, and the cage that, that, that those words put me in, I allowed myself to stay in there for two years until I got to a point where I, the higher self in me raged to a point where I had to get, get real with myself and say, either you're going to believe the words of this twit and you're going to live a really small life. Or you're going to use the power of your voice, which that twit does not possess. And you're going to reclaim your power. What are you going to do? Because this is really not about him. This is about you. And in that moment, I reclaim my voice. And, and I haven't had a conversation with anybody really at all like that since. I mean, I've had smaller things where people have have done the emotional gut punching thing. And I also at this point expect that people are going to do that from time to time, especially when you get haters. The bigger you get in business, the more haters you're going to have. So I've had moments where people I don't even know out of nowhere are doing hateration on social media. And you know what I do now with it? I just... I just thank them. I just thank them. You know, like my mantra is, I saw this quote on Pinterest that said, dear haters, I have so much more for you to be mad at. Just wait. 
just wait. And, and so I have fun with it now because I am no longer tying my worth and my value to what anybody else says or does. I'm no longer tying my value to whether other people see me as valuable. There are quite a few people who I've been in circles with who A, don't want me to see my own value because then it skyrockets me to a level that they're not on or B, um, want to convince me that I'm just another, you know, and uh, in, in, when I did my MBA at Auburn, we called it like a dime a dozen, that I'm just another dime a dozen and that my role is to fit in line with all of the other cogs in the wheel and that that's the, the max of what I can do. Oh, hell no. I'll never believe anybody who tells me that shit. Hell no. Like, listen, here's what I believe. And it's, and it's to the core of my being. I believe that every individual has been put on this planet for very specific unique callings, missions, and purposes that only that person can do with a tribe of people that is only for them, period. That is what I believe. So I haven't met one person in my life who wasn't filled with greatness, came on this earth to serve with greatness, and need to fulfill their calling because nobody else can do it. I don't know one person who doesn't fit that description. So when people... When I'm in circles where people want me to feel like, oh, well, like, no, you're okay. You're okay. What you do, you're, you're, you're okay. You're not, you're not a rock star. Or here's the thing. Other people will want you to believe that as a way to get you to work harder for what they want. This happens in families all the time, people. This happens in, all the time. Like you, you still want your mother's approval, your father's approval, your sister's approval, your brother's approval. What they do is, psychological mind games to where they want you to believe that in order for them to think you're worthy and for them to think you're great, you've got to bend over backwards for them whenever they want you to, and you have to work as hard as they ask you to work so that they can approve of you so you can feel great. No, your greatness is not a feeling that they get to generate. It's a feeling you always decide, period. So... When I say thank every person who doesn't see your value, I'm super serious about that because you can actually take their, they're not seeing your worth. They're not seeing your value. Their attempts at manipulating you into seeking their approval. You can take all of that and you can now say, Oh, it's going to be so much fun. It's going to be, you, you just, you just get to where we go. It is going to be so much fun. Like, it's going to be so much fun being the hardest working person in the room. It is going to be so much fun playing the long game. It is going to be so much fun working my ass off for the next 10 years. Because in 10 years time, while you are worried about manipulating other people, I'm over here rising, rising, rising. And in a decade, when we both look at each other, you'll know who you are and I'll know who I am. And you didn't choose to rise with me. So you're just going to have to deal with that. But I'm not buying what you're selling about what I can do. Do you see the power of that? But you can't get to the place of leveraging their not seeing your value until A, you can separate your value from what anybody else thinks or says about you. And then B, you can use their lack of seeing you as fuel for your rise. You got to use their lack of seeing you as fuel for their for your eyes. You know, there are lots of people 
in my family and otherwise that um, I don't give a fuck what they think. Seriously, I, I, I just don't care what they think. And it has taken me all of my 20s to really get there, some of my 30s to get there. But it's so liberating because I no longer wonder what are people saying behind my back. I know what they're saying. And I'm good with that because at some point they're going to have to eat their words. So I'm excited for that. Um, I'm also good with, with people who in the present moment, when I get into interactions and they do not see my value because it is a, it's, it's, it's a reminder to me that the first person and the most important person who has to be able to see and communicate my value is me. It is not anybody else's responsibility to tell me I'm a rock star or to tell me I'm the best at this or to puff me. Like, I don't need other people to puff me up. It's sort of like, it, it, it's when you think about, um, you know, there are certain people in the world who need the verbal affirmation about how pretty they are, beautiful they are, how good they look, their hair looks great. They're like, you look so amazing. They need that, right? I don't need that. Like when I, when I feel like I, I want to feel sexy, look sexy, be sexy. I know exactly what I need to do. I go do that. And then I look in the mirror and I go, damn, you look good. That's my affirmation. I don't need that from anybody else. And the reason is very, very simple. If it, if I need that from somebody else, then I give them my power. And I'm totally unwilling at this point in my life to give my power away. So what am I saying in this episode? There are going to be quite a few people in your life who, some who you expect and some who you don't expect, some who you work with. If you've got a day job, some who you don't work with, some that are in your family, some that are, are friends that you grew up with. There are going to be quite a few people. And I'm being nice when I say quite a few, quite a few people who don't want you to see your value. And the way that they approach that is they belittle your ambitions. They um, bring skepticism and criticism and doubt to the mix of your dreams. They speak to you as if you can't do this and you can't do that. And who are you? And why can't you just be happy with what you have? And why are you always going for more? There are those people who are going to be that in your life. I'm not saying divorce those people. I'm certainly not saying um, disown them, although I've disowned a few in my own life for full transparency. I'm really good at like, once I figure out that you're super toxic for me, and once I figure out that you're not changing and you don't see a need to change, I'm going to disown you. Like that's, that's just my, that's how I operate. But you don't have to operate that way. I'm not saying that. There are some people who are so intricately connected to certain friends and family that even though that friend or family member is toxic to them, they just don't, it's not in their DNA to completely cut that person off, which is fine. At the same time though, you've got to be able to leverage what those people are saying or doing in such a way that it empowers you to be more of you. It empowers you to not hold resentment and anger and bitterness towards them because that's just going to keep you stuck. But that instead you can look at it like, oh, they're challenging me to rise into who I really am. They're challenging me. They're issue. They just, they, they're, they're part of the universe throwing down a gauntlet and saying, who do you want to be? Who do you want to be? And when you begin to see what they say to you as a challenge 
thrown down by the universe to invite you to rise into the next level of who you really are. You no longer feel resentment. You no longer feel bitterness. You're no longer angry and pissed off. That they said what they said to you or they did what they did. Now you can move into a space where you can say, dear haters, <laughs> I have so much more for you to be mad at. Just wait, just wait. Now you can move into what I call the just wait space. Like just, just, because you've got to play the long game in business. So it doesn't matter that you're in your first or second or even fifth year of business and you have friends and family who are saying, well, you're not making any money or you're not making enough money. No, no, no. This isn't a, a six-month game plan. Business is not a two-year game plan. This is called for the rest of my life. So I have the rest of my life to get there. So I'm not going to let you judge me because you're actually not in the re arena, as Brene Brown likes to say, getting your ass kicked building a business. So until you're in the arena, getting your ass kicked, building a business, I'm not listening to a thing you have to say because you're not in the arena. You're in the stands. So when you're dealing with people who want to emotionally gut punch and undercut you or tell you you're too ambitious or you want too much or whatever it is they're saying, number one, you let yourself feel the anger and the resentment and the pissed offness and all of that, but you you really need to condense that. Like give yourself a period of time to vent and get that out, but then you need to quickly transition into seeing this as a challenge from the universe to rise into who you really are and then cultivate the gratitude around the opportunities that are now coming because that person said that to you. There are so many opportunities that now you feel a sense of uh, purpose and mission and challenge and power. And yes, you probably felt that before they gave you the emotional gut punch, but they certainly brought some momentum to it. They certainly, you know, anted you up on it. So it's super important to, to have good perspective when those moments happen, because they're going to happen again. Here's the thing. A lot of us live in this preconceived notion that, okay, the reason why people are belittling me and, you know, not seeing my value is because I have to, I have to prove to them what my value is and I have to show them. Do you understand that some people are so sold on keeping you in a box that even when you break the damn box, they find the next way to say that to you or to keep you there? It doesn't matter what level you rise to for some people. They're always going to point out the areas where they, they want you to see that you're not enough. So don't get caught up in this. I need to rise to a certain level so then I can show everybody. Yes, you're going to prove them wrong. That's part of the process. But in terms of, of showing them how valuable you are, if somebody is committed to not seeing your value, they never will. So like, don't make it about convincing them to... If they're not interested in seeing you as valuable, they never will see you as valuable. So let that, let that thing go. This is about accepting the challenge from the universe, rising into who you truly are, proving them wrong in the process, which feels really good in the moment. Very ego driven, but very, feels amazing. You know, dear haters, I have so much more for you to be mad at. Just wait. That just wait moment is worth everything to me. But then. And this is the last piece I'm going to talk about today. But then there comes a moment where you need to not only cultivate gratitude for the experience of those people and your interaction with them, but you need to have forgiveness for the, the emotional hit that you took as a result of them. And I love the, I can't even say this right, the Ho'oponopono prayer. 
because it does so much of the forgiveness work so beautifully, so easily. And if you don't know the, the whole Ho'oponopono prayer, uh, Google it. Go to YouTube and Google it. You'll find a lot about it. But, but essentially, it's a Hawaiian prayer that is the essence of doing forgiveness work. And you, re- you repeat four statements. You say, I'm sorry. Please forgive me. I love you. Thank you. And you just say that over and over again until you feel the anger, the resentment, the bitterness just wash away from you. And I would highly recommend that you do that with every person who has tried to undercut your value. You know, I, I do that with my dad. Um, I do that with my mother. I do that with that manager who said to me, I feel like you're a fallen Tiger Woods. You just have to really think about that person and you just have to say, and, and again, a lot of people will go, well, I didn't do anything wrong. So why should I be sorry? It, this is releasing it so you can be free to do what you need to do. So when you say, I'm sorry, please forgive me. I love you. Thank you. You are releasing all the negativity and you're releasing the need to be right. And you're rele- you're just releasing it. So A, they don't keep a hold on you. And B, you don't hold yourself back from your destiny. Here's the thing. It is a delicate harmony because you want self-belief and you want self-trust, but you also need compassion. Compassion for yourself with where you are in your business, but also compassion for the other people who just don't get you, don't want to get you, don't want to see where you're going and don't want you to rise. Like you have, there comes a moment where you have to be, I'm just going to have compassion that they don't live in an abundant universe and they live with so much scarcity that they think they have to knock me down in order for them to rise. And that simply isn't true. And so when you cultivate that level of compassion, when you have that level of gratitude where you can now say, I believe in myself, I trust myself, I trust the process of of, of my life, I, I trust the timing of my life. And you can also say, yeah, I'm pissed that they said that, I'm, I'm angry. I'm bitter. I didn't see it coming, but you know what? Thank you. Thank you because you just lit a fire under my ass and you just have me going, dear haters, I have so much more for you to be mad at. Just wait. <laughs> and then as you're working and as you're being the hardest working person in the room and as you're, when you're doing stuff in the dark, you're working when nobody's watching. I also want you to cultivate forgiveness. And to use something like the Ho'oponopono prayer and say to whoever said whatever to you, it could have been a teacher when you were in the fifth grade and you're still carrying that thing around with you. I'm sorry. Please forgive me. I love you. Thank you. And you do this not because you're going to let them off the hook. And not because you think saying the prayer is going to make them different the next time they undercut you, because more than likely, if you allow yourself to be around them, they will undercut you again. But you say the prayer, so you release you to be you and to not worry about them or what they have to say. That's the power of thanking every person who doesn't see your value. If you are working on self-belief, if you know, if you know you need to build up self-trust, self-confidence, self-belief, especially when it comes to building a business, go to overcomingfairbooks.com. I've written so many books. Own it. The year of you. Uh, you can do, I've written so many books, uh, and I'm on a mission to write 52 books in 52 weeks and it's rough, but I'm doing it. 
Um, if you know you need help with that, go to overcomingfearbooks.com, pick up one of those books. Everything will be on Audible in the next three months. So if you are, if you go to overcomingfearbooks.com and you're like, I love these books, but I don't read books. I like to listen to books on Audible while I commute to work. Uh, just wait. <laughs> because in the next three months, all of my books, I, because here's the thing. I am an Audible snob in the sense that I don't like to listen to Audible books that the author did not narrate. I just don't like it. I won't do it. I have a Dean Graciosi book that I absolutely am going to have to buy the hardcover book for it because he didn't narrate it and I know his voice and I want to hear his voice. So I'm an audible snob that way and I cannot be an audible snob with other authors if I'm not going to deliver that same quality that I'm expecting in my own books. So in the next few months, you will catch all of my books on Audible. So if you're an Audible listener, just wait. I've got more for you. And if you're somebody who, who, like me, likes the books, the tangible, like touch them, feel them, most of them are in paperback. And go to overcomingfearbooks.com. Build your level of self-belief. Because I will tell you, it is a rough journey when you're an entrepreneur and you are going to have a lot of people who are naysayers, who are critics, um, who are in the stands, but they're not getting their ass kicked in the arena. And they will say some pretty mean things, really mean things to you. And, and they hurt. There's no, not, they hurt. When people say things like you're not good enough or you can't do this or who are you or whatever, or, or even they use your past mistakes against you, which hurts even more because the past mistake was real. You did that. And then they use it as evidence for why you can't move forward in the future. Yeah, it hurts. It absolutely hurts. And so I want you to number one, remember, Keep away from people who try to belittle your ambitions. Small people always do that, but the really great make you feel that you too can become great. Remember the words of Mark Twain and then give yourself a certain amount of time to vent and get all of that negativity, resentment, anger, bitterness out, but then see the challenge and the, and the opportunities that exist in what those people said to you and prove those MFs wrong. You don't have to show them that you're good. You just need to prove them wrong. And then at some point you transition out of that, right? You go, dear haters, I have so much more for you to be mad at. Just wait. But then you need to balance the self-belief and the self-trust with compassion for you and compassion for them. And use something like the Ho'oponopono prayer where you do the forgiveness work. Because if you don't do the forgiveness work and you rise, A, you won't rise as high as you could rise if you if you live with unforgiveness. But B, if you don't do the forgiveness work, even though you prove them wrong and even though you rise in your life and in your business, you are still carrying their black magic words with you in your soul as a seed, which means it could always sprout up later and manifest in your life and you don't want to carry their shit around with you. Like, you're not an emotional garbage can. Let them keep their shit to themselves. You only cultivate good stuff within you. And the only way to do that when people do that kind of black magic stuff on you is for you to release them, release their words, forgive them, forgive yourself, let it go. And the whole Ponopono prayer is one of the best ways to do that. So thank you for joining me on this episode of She Wins the Show. I will catch you on the next episode of She Wins the Show. As I said earlier in the episode, uh, I am moving, so I don't know that there will be three episodes next week. I will do my best, but for sure, in the months of March, April, and probably May, I will bring you so many amazing guest interviews that I'm currently recording. Uh, these people drop the mic. I mean, they drop the mic. 
You're going to love these interviews. So thank you so much, everybody, for listening. And please, I, I never say this, go to tinyurl.com forward slash She Runs the Show podcast, and please leave a review on iTunes for She Runs the Show. Thank you so much again. I have so much gratitude for every listener. I have so much gratitude for the journey that you're on to build a business because you're not only building a business, you are impacting and transforming lives, beginning with your own. So thank you for being brave and brilliant and daring and doing the work. I will catch you guys on the next episode of She Runs the Show.